Loyalistic Podcast. This story is about the first person I ever kissed. Um, discounting relatives and those kissed out of obligation. I was 22, still living at home. I was working at some awful job somewhere and playing in a punk rock band. The band was fairly well known in our home area and we played out often enough to attract admirers. Most of the admirers were male, but there were some females. The singer and bass player in the band were able to wrangle most of the girls for themselves. They had much better lines than I and were completely mercenary about getting over on any women dumb enough or self-hating enough to go for them. The drummer had a steady girl, usually, so he didn't bother. Me? I was petrified of women. I was convinced there was nothing I had to interest any girl. Oh, I, I made friends with many girls, had crushes on quite a few. But I never levitated beyond the platonic. I was the sort of boy whom girls made a confidant. I would listen to their deep, dark stories, their tragic tales of love gone wrong, their confessions of unbridled lust for guys that weren't me. I somehow found myself in this constantly frustrating role of being the understanding pal. It was a, a part I didn't take too easily. There was this one girl, Lorraine, who came along when I was 19 or so. She was beyond fantastic. She was a little slice of female heaven, as far as I was concerned. She had shoulder-length auburn hair, a wicked sense of humor, and a crooked smile that captivated me. I somehow became her friend. We hung out whenever we could. I would drive to Brooklyn, where she lived, and we'd go places, to shows, to clubs, to the movies, usually with some of her girlfriends along. They were all great fun, but Lorraine, she stood apart. There was something about her, a sweetness that the others didn't possess, a need to laugh every few minutes that I found myself drawn to. Somehow I fell in love with her, but she wasn't in love with me. She was in love with some neighborhood jackass named John. I knew of him and his reputation for putting notches on his belt. He was a conqueror, but Lorraine didn't care. He didn't know she existed, but that's how those things go. Lorraine was like me in that respect, always falling for the person who couldn't possibly return my affection, never seeing the one who would do so gladly. She talked to me about this guy, and I'd actually listen. I was too young to know that what I should have been saying was, forget him, he's a jerk, choose me, I'm crazy about you, I drink your bathwater. I'd crawl five miles to smell the sheets you sleep on. I was nothing but a coward in those days. Somehow it happened that I slept over Lorraine's house a couple of nights in a row. I'd spend most of the night awake in a sleeping bag, not five inches from her wondrous ankle, imagining I was touching her leg. I remember slowly reaching out to feel her skin and getting very close. 
very close, almost there, and then pulling away. What if I woke her? What if she knew what I wanted to do? What if she got the idea that I wasn't settling for her friendship any longer? I felt immobilized. I felt like it might as well have been a deep, deep ocean between my fingertips and her ankle. Those were some of the worst nights I've ever had. And Lorraine doesn't know. She never knew because I never told her. I didn't want her to run away. I didn't want to reveal to her how horrible I felt about myself and how much I would have liked to have been beautiful for her. Like the guy she was mooning over. He was beautiful. I felt far from beautiful, though. I always have. When it came to Lorraine, I felt like Frankenstein's creature trying to befriend that little girl. If you remember the creature from Shelley's book, who is certainly not the grunting caveman of the movies, he is very articulate, and he knows why people flee from him. They find him loathsome. They are repulsed by his appearance. The creature says, and I quote, Once my fancy was soothed with dreams of virtue, of fame, and of enjoyment, once I falsely hoped to meet with beings who, pardoning my outward form, would love me for the excellent qualities which I was capable of bringing forth. I was nourished with high thoughts of honor and devotion. But now vice has degraded me beneath the meanest animal. When I call over the frightful catalog of my deeds, I cannot believe that I am he whose thoughts were once filled with sublime and transcendent visions of the beauty and the majesty of goodness. But it is even so. The fallen angel becomes a malignant devil. And as you probably know, the creature is never able to overcome the fright he generates. He resigns himself to his fate. He says, I am malicious because I am miserable. Am I not shunned and hated by all mankind? Shall I respect man when he condemns me? Let him live with me in the interchange of kindness, and instead of injury, I would bestow every benefit upon him with tears of gratitude at his acceptance. But that cannot be. The human senses are insurmountable barriers to our union. So there I am with Lorraine, trying to get her to look past my appearance, wanting her to see how good I was, how good I'd be to her, and failing miserably, she wanted John. She never once even hinted that we were anything but what we were, two people occupying roughly the same physical space who just happened to be members of the opposite sex. Lorraine and I went along for a little while, and one day I pulled up in front of her house to find all her punk rock records and Stephen King novels piled up at the curb awaiting the garbage man. I couldn't locate her, but I found some of her friends at home, and they filled me in. She had become a born-again Christian just about overnight. I was in shock. My jaw dropped open and refused to close for hours. When I finally spoke to her again, she was spouting all that Jesus stuff and blathering. It was so sad. It was like seeing the post-lobotomy McMurphy and one flew over the cuckoo's nest. The person I knew as Lorraine was gone. She had been replaced by a Bible-thumping automaton. You know, I've done some reading about such things, and it's not an uncommon phenomenon. People who are verging on schizophrenia often have religious conversions overnight. 
Things had gotten to Lorraine, and she turned to the Lord with a vengeance. I never did get to kiss her. And after her, I didn't interact with girls for a long time. I couldn't bring myself to talk to one for fear of a replay. But the peer pressure to find a girl was at a fever pitch at that point in my life. Every one of my contemporaries had girlfriends or were getting laid or were talking about it. The guys in the band I was in flaunted their women like the trophies they were. I looked around and saw myself keeping lonely vigil over this virgin land. I was the one who would come off the stage and I'd be glad-handed by guys, nothing but guys. Great show. Excellent guitar. Those were the kind of things I'd hear from the fanboys, but just once I wanted to look up from my guitar case and see a girl, any girl, standing there. And then one night after playing a gig at this new local place, I stepped outside for a beer and was unexpectedly joined by this woman, Vicky, who had befriended the band. I was pretty sure the bass player had slept with her. It was a hunch. And I was surprised when she sat down next to me after I'd parked myself on the rear stoop of the small nightclub. We made small talk about the gig and the nice weather and the cemetery right across the highway, how it was the largest one in the country and it stretched on for miles, that kind of thing. She sat very close and I was nervous. Her right thigh was pressed hard against my left thigh and heat seemed to be radiating from the area. I remember trying to figure out why she was talking to me. I also tried to convince myself that I was attracted to her. I wasn't though. She was very nice and extremely kind but she was approaching 35, and she had an 18-year-old daughter at home. I also found myself distracted by her large nose. It wasn't Carl Malden large, but Eagle Beak large. It took up plenty of her face, and it made me feel so terrible to be regarding somebody the way that I had always been regarded, outwardly. I didn't want to be so superficial as to reject someone on appearance. I mean, who the hell was I anyway? No prize package, I could tell you. So I was trying to work up this attraction when Vicky leans over and kisses me. And it was very nice. It was my first one. And she kissed me again, longer this time, and I liked it. I mean, I could suddenly understand why it was so popular. Why everybody was doing it. We kissed some more, and the bass player came out and saw us, and he seemed angry at me. I didn't care. I was making out. Soon enough, I gathered Vicky up and drove her home to my house. It was very late, and we tiptoed so as not to wake my grumpy mom. She was so grumpy that she had removed the door from my room three months earlier as punishment for me having put my foot through it. it see, it was a hollow cord door, and she came banging one night when I was enjoying the stooges. Not the three stooges, the other stooges. And so I banged back with my foot and it went whooshing through the thin veneer of one side of the door and it came whooshing out the other side and it left splinters in its way. This did not please my mother. I mean, the next day she had me remove the door and store it in the attic and I had to hang a blanket in the doorway and get used to having no privacy. So Vicky and I had to be very quiet that night and it wasn't easy. I mean, it was my first time having sex and she was far from quiet. I kept shushing her and fear my mom would walk in. But I don't remember much else about it. The next day, we had this earnest discussion about things, and I realized we weren't going to repeat the events of the night before. It just didn't seem likely. 
I drove her home to Brooklyn, and I never heard from her or saw her again. It's strange to think that my first kiss led to the loss of my virginity. It's stranger to think about this thing called beauty. I've thought about it quite a bit, probably more than I should. If I was beautiful, I might not think about it so much. But I want to know, what is the biological basis of beauty? Is it only skin deep, or does it impact on the way a person lives and behaves? I know women who are always so amazed at how nice men are toward them. And these are beautiful women. They don't know or can't acknowledge why men are being so nice to them. If they weren't beautiful, would the same men be as nice? Is beauty necessary to the furtherance of the species? Does nature favor the beautiful? And who sets the standard for what is beautiful anyway? It certainly varies from place to place and from time to time. There's no constant that I'm aware of. Why do we all want it? Why do we all seek it out for ourselves? Because it's better than ugliness? I know that I wanted Vicky to be beautiful, and maybe she wanted the same from me. (sighs) And I've been guilty of equating inner qualities with outward appearance, as we probably all have. I know others have made the same judgment of me. I don't like it, but I also don't know how to overcome it. If you were given a choice and you were told you could be one or the other, beautiful or smart, what would you choose? Let's hear from the... Hello, welcome to the air. Hello. Hi. How you doing? Uh... Can't uh, hang it in there. Uh... <laughs> Sid, what is it you want to say? Huh? Sid, yeah. I, I'm really getting sick of you. Oh. Uh, Sorry. Goodbye. 201-678-7743 is the phone number here. Don't follow Sid's example. Don't call him and say... So, how you doing? What's new? That indicates that you obviously haven't been listening to the program. And I just don't want to take up other people's time by responding to those questions. I'm sorry. The subject of today's show, beauty. Boy, it's a beauty, isn't it? Hello, welcome to the air. Hello, Chris. Martha. You remember your first kiss? Yes. I don't remember mine. It was in a dark room. You don't remember or you do remember? I remember, but I don't know who it was. You don't know who it was? It was in a dark room. Um, how old were you? Six. Six years old? Yeah. And was it uh, a girl? Can you tell me anything about it? Well, yeah, I think it was. I think it was a girl. You, you got to give us some more details. Well, she had a voice like a girl. And? Oh, we kissed. Don't leave me hanging here. She was a good kisser. And oh. I don't know if she was beautiful or smart, though. Well, I wh- think she went to jail. She went to jail. Yeah. Um, can you tell us what you would rather be? Uh, already beautiful, I'd rather just be smart. Okay, we'll try to help you with that, Martha. Keep listening to this program. Guten Tag! Guten Tag, V. Gates. Hello, welcome to the air. Hey, Chris. Hi. Uh, do you believe smart and beautiful, uh, firstly, are mutually exclusive? Uh, that could be a subject for discussion. 
You asking me to respond I'm to asking that? Asking you, yeah. You're asking me. I, I mean, think. Said, I think. Or you pose the question this or that, as if they don't have anything to do with one another. I don't think that they are. I think there are plenty of uh, beautiful people who are smart, and plenty of smart people who are beautiful. Right. I do think, however, that it's often been my experience that um, beautiful people don't bother becoming smart because they don't have to be. Yeah, exactly. Um, now that doesn't fit across the board. I don't make any statements that do. Except Brooke Shields. I know plenty of ugly people who are stupid too. Right. Yeah, but you know something. So, I think rather than either one of those things... I guess the bigger question is, what do we value more? I think fellowship with whatever your deity is is the biggest thing. Put over, that, over and above both those. That came right out of left field. What, what do you mean? Well, it doesn't... I mean, smart or beautiful... Smart or beautiful, you make them sound like one is, is, is kind of... has you know some profound implications and that the other one is shallow, but they're both shallow commodities. Let's limit this to a, a certain range, okay? Let's limit the parameters of our discussion. To, this is all right, this is what I'm gonna say. I have a I had a really beautiful girlfriend once and uh, because she didn't have a good personality, it, like the beauty mocked her and she looked uglier than to me than a not so beautiful person. So I'd have to say smart or at least good. Okay. All right. Well, that's your personal uh, experience, and thanks for sharing it with us. Okay. Thanks for calling. Bye. Number is 201-678-7743. Hello. Welcome to the air. Hi. I just wanted to say that uh, for, for a, a girl like in high school and stuff, uh, being known as a smart girl can be a real liability. A liability how? Because a lot of guys are intimidated by that. Like, I used to be a good chess player when I was, like, 12, and, and a lot of guys were, like, you know, they, were, they didn't like that. They didn't like that you were a good chess player. No, even though I was okay, you know, pretty okay looking. But, mm. but by the way, I have a roommate that is stunningly beautiful, and she talks sort of like Ginger on Gilligan's Island, uh -huh. and, and she's well-read. Do you want to talk to her? <laughs> sure. She's a cutie. Here. Yeah. Stunningly Hello? beautiful. You've been described as stunningly beautiful. I wouldn't, I wouldn't really say I'm stunningly beautiful. Okay. <laughs> Do, are you aware of your beauty? Uh-uh. No. So you don't feel beautiful. No. You you wouldn't if someone asked you to describe yourself. You wouldn't describe I yourself. I would say I'm way. weird looking. How so? Um, I have a weird shaped nose. I'm really pale. Mm -hmm. Have funny looking eyes. <laughs> and <laughs> there's a lot of laughter in the background. <laughs> I mean, I think I'm really weird looking. Are you pursued by uh, members of the same or opposite sex? Um, yes, go listen on the extension. That's a good idea. <laughs> I mean, not really. No? Every time I go somewhere with my roommate, she says that all the guys are looking at me, but I never notice. Really. Okay. I die when she, walk by, when she walks by. Now, you notice this, but she doesn't. Yeah, because she's, she's, she, she's self-conscious. She's self-conscious? Yeah. Very interesting. she's gorgeous. So you can expect that. Wow. That this sound this is a very interesting thing. So if you had to answer the question that I asked earlier about beauty versus smart. See, I didn't really hear it because I don't get your station in my room. Oh. Well obviously so your, what was the question? Your again? roommate gets the question. Gets the uh it, the what, show. if I'd rather be smart or beautiful? Yeah. Well um I don't know, because you know, when I was in school I was always known as smart. I was mm -hmm. a nerd kind of. And now, now I'm out of school, and people just think I'm pretty, and they don't really think I'm smart anymore. I think I'd rather be 
Either both or neither. <laughs> you'd so you'd like to be ugly and stupid. You'd either rather be beautiful, rather be and, beautiful smart. and smart. Oh, I see. Okay, that that doesn't really fit into the discussion, but I, uh, you know. Well, well I didn't hear, like I said, I didn't get to hear the whole discussion. Oh, you'll have to ask your roommate to fill you in. Yeah, I'll have to turn up the radio. Thanks. Okay, thanks for calling. Okay, bye. Bye. Hello, welcome to the air. Yeah, hi there. I'm here to talk to Chris about the question. This is him. I think it has a lot to do with ethnicity. Mm-hmm. And basically, like myself, I've been called very attractive looking, mm-hmm. but I'm very exotic looking. And I tend to be attracted towards um, people who are very plain and very European looking. Plain and European looking? Yeah, like uh, with very small straight noses type. Um, I haven't really been attracted to very exotic looking people. Now, you're not, are you not attracted to women from your ethnic background? Um, I have been, but for the most part, no. Really? Yeah. I, I mean, it's nothing. I don't know if it's by choice or just naturally what I'm attracted to. Um, this is very interesting now, what people are attracted to. How, how did this come about in you? Did you? Do you remember how you first thought of something as beautiful, or you thought of uh, uh, the it, female ideal? Okay, beauty? Um, barraged by images of, say, um, James Bond and the women he would get in his films. Mm-hmm. No, he did get exotic women, that's true. But, yeah. you know, basically the Hollywood type of woman, and which I guess mm, it's real hard to explain. I can't really get down to the roots of it. What about but, uh, Playboy? What about um, no, men's never, magazines? No, no. I was never the, really Those into never entered into the shaping of your uh, ideal yeah, of feminine beauty. Yeah, a little bit. Hmm. A little bit, but not much. Not to the same extent that I'm sure a lot of other people have been. But I think that's like, in other words, if I grew up in, say, India, and to me the most beautiful woman in the world was an Indian woman, mm-hmm. and I wasn't constantly watching television, or I had constant pictures in front of me of beautiful white American women, mm-hmm. would I consider her still the most beautiful woman, you know? Yeah. I think um, that's something that needs to be thought about, so it has a lot to do with where you come from, how you were brought up, like, you know, I think that's basically, so the question of beauty is, like you said, the standards, that's right. a question that has to be constantly thought about. To me, I've basically learned more and more to just love people for who they are and how they think. Uh, but you can't, you can't seem to get away from, you know, gravitating towards people that are quote unquote beautiful or attractive. So, uh-huh. Okay. Uh, we began this discussion with a confession from me on, uh, relating to the experiences of my first kiss, and um, I'm extremely confused by all this stuff. Sometimes I I turn to you to try to straighten out that confusion and. Sometimes it works, sometimes sometimes it doesn't. I leave more confused. Hello, welcome to the air. Hi, how are you? <laughs> oh, I'm, I'm great. How are you? All right, I was listening to your discussion, and I've decided that uh, probably I'd rather be smart than beautiful. Uh-huh. Because um, I think if you're smart, you can uh, sort of make yourself, make people think you're beautiful. If you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. You know. Hmm. Very interesting. Or you can become more attractive to people. You could use makeup. You could use makeup. Sure. You could, well, you know, you take the case of many of these uh, celebrities who, you know, I mean, Mick Jagger is a great example. Now, do you think he's beautiful? I mean, do women think he's beautiful? If um, he, if he think... was cleaning their hallways, would they think he was beautiful? 
No, I guess charismatic, you know, sexy, I guess. Uh, there are other words you could use, you know. He's not classically a beautiful male. No. You know. But there are, uh, there are ways to make people believe that you are beautiful. Okay. Thanks I'm, for calling. You got it. You just pay them. Hello, welcome to the air. Well, I'm going to sort of pick up where he left off. I don't think um, you use your cleverness to, to create a beautiful person if you're not physically beautiful. It's just that... Your personality obviously feeds the overall image. You know, like if you see someone who appears beautiful at first glance and you hear them talk, very often you'll find they're not as attractive as you thought they were, and vice versa. Mm-hmm. So they obviously feed each other. Um, so what about your first kiss then? What about Maybe it? that's what we should be discussing. All right. What do you want to know about it? You remember it? Yeah. And? and I details, liked, details, I liked details. It. I liked it. <laughs> uh-huh. How old were you? Um, 16, I guess. 16. Yeah, 16. Loyalistic heart. 